Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be with you. And tonight, it's even more of a pleasure because the Lord has really put something on my heart. Tonight, I'm going to continue the message that we started last week. Pastor Alex did a fabulous job. Jesus, the shepherd, and the Savior. And tonight, I get to speak on the second part of that, and that is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. I have a lot of scripture, and uh, before I get started, I think the guys are going to put up that QR code. I'm going to mention something to you. This is something brand new, so I want you all to take out your phones, capture this QR code. This is a care resource information page. It's a quick link. We also will have cards here at the altars. We give these to uh, people that come uh, down and we pray with them. On this page, there's first steps, there's prayer, and there's resources. So if you give your heart to the Lord, you just click on that first steps, or if you're coming back to the Lord, you click on the first steps, and it takes you to a quick landing page that takes you to the first steps devotional. The second step talks to you about water baptism. You click on that, it'll take you right to our website where the water baptism site is. The third site, or the third button, third step, is about starting point, getting involved, finding out more about faith and your faith. And then the fourth is journey of faith. So first steps for you. I want you to capture that because you may need it or you may know someone that needs it. The second part is prayer. On that link, if you click on that, it takes you right to the prayer um, form where you can fill out a request for prayer. Um, I manage this thing, so I apologize, but in a day or two, I will also have a visitation button on this. So if you request a visitation for someone in a nursing home, or in the hospital, you can just go to this QR code to this one page and click on that link and request that visitation. And then the third part of this, the resource page, is really amazing. There's links to our counseling department. There's links to our care groups like Grief Share, Living Free, all the care groups that we have. There's links to the food bank on the landing page. And there's a community resource download. It's something the church has. Several pages of resources that are available in the community for people. You may talk to someone that is in desperate need that we cannot help them with, but there might be some resources out there in the community that would be able to help them. So I want to empower you today to be our own care team. When you go out, you're able to help people out in the community. And I know Pastor Charlie's here somewhere. I think he's probably backstage, but I just want to thank Pastor Charlie and Nanny for all they do. Uh, We co-pastor the care ministry. Pastor Charlie is one of the most amazing men I've ever met. Um, I may start crying with this man. Uh, He is, he's just something else. He has such a compassionate heart, such a caring heart. Um, he's like the Energizer Bunny Rabbit, too. I don't know where he gets all the energy. But he does visitation. 
him and Nanny oversee our funerals. Um, you may not even know this, but a ministry of faith assembly is we provide a venue for people that need a uh, place for a host a, to host a funeral. This year alone has been a pretty heavy-duty year. Pastor Charlie and Nanny have planned over 74 funerals. That's, that's, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of heartache. It's a lot of ministry. And I just want to thank the Lord for them, for what they do. And church, I want to let you know this is part of your ministry because as a church, we never charge anyone for funeral services here. We, now, funeral homes, that's a different thing. But for here, we want to be there for families. And this is part of your ministry, part of your giving, part of what you're part of here. So let's get ready. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I do have to go quickly because I have a lot of scripture tonight. I want to lift up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. The Martinez family, the passing of Don Martinez. Father, we come to you. We lift up to you the Martinez family in the loss of Don. Lift up Ernesto and Sandy who works here and the extended family. We ask for comfort. Mercy, Lord, in their lives. I lift up to you, Lord, Marvin Rooks and the family for his passing. Father, the several that are dealing with surgeries and flus and colds, Father, we lift them up into your hands. We believe your word. We declare your word over them. By your stripes, they are healed. Touch them, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus Christ, and what Jesus has done for us, we claim healing over bodies right now in the mighty name and the authority of that name of Jesus. Amen. Very quickly now, Pastor Alex did a fantastic job last week. He talked about Jesus, the shepherd. He talked about how Jesus, the shepherd, gives us rest. He restores us. He redeems us. One of the takeaways that I got out of Psalm 23, verse 4, was where David declares to God, he says, you are with me. What a powerful, powerful admonition by David. You are with me. And by the way, David wrote that 900 years before Jesus was born. And as we look this evening, into Jesus the Savior, we're going to look at who he is, why he came, and how we can know him. A lot of scripture. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the word of the Lord says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. If the guys are following me up there in the booth, it's the next verse down. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Another prophetic word by Isaiah, six to seven hundred years before Christ, proclaiming that Emmanuel, God with us, David said, you are with me. 
prophetically. You are with me now, but also prophetically in the future. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we read, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, what a powerful name. What a powerful word. It's a Hebrew word. It expresses the awesomeness of the incarnation. What that means is that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. This Christmas season, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the reminder for us. In John chapter 1, verse 14, there's confirming scriptures of this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Mark those two words if you're taking notes, grace and truth. We'll talk more about them in a few minutes. Another confirming scripture, 1 Timothy 3.16. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. That's a good place to say amen right there. So Jesus was prophetically talked about that God would be with us in the flesh. We're talking tonight about Jesus the Savior. Let's look and see what the word Savior means. The Greek word for Savior is soter. It comes from the Greek word sozo. The Greek word sozo means to save, to heal, and to make whole. So the Savior, look at the definition here, to preserve or rescue from natural dangers and afflictions, to save, to keep from harm. A Savior is a protector and a rescuer. So tonight I want us to think about this. When I say Savior, think about when I, and I, and I point to Jesus, think about rescuer. There's something about thinking about someone that rescues you that gets your attention. A savior is a great word, but something about rescuer. A rescuer is someone that comes and helps you because you can't help yourself. A rescuer is someone that comes and helps you because you can't help yourself. Jesus, the Savior. Jesus, our rescuer. Many times in the Old Testament, God is referred to as, a God, as God our Savior, or literally, the God of our salvation. In Isaiah, we see this. Isaiah 49, verse 26. All mankind will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. He's our Savior, the Lord. Indeed, in the New Testament, we see God, our Savior, again and again. In fact, in 1 Timothy and in the book of Titus, in the greeting portion, Paul refers to uh, the Lord as God, our Savior. Jesus himself stated that he came to this world 
to be the world's savior. Man. Listen to the scriptures. Listen to the word. The word is powerful. It's living. The word says this. It says, when the word goes forth, it shall not return empty, but will accomplish what the Lord sends it out to accomplish. So as you hear the word, receive the word. Allow your spirit to rise up in faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So Jesus stated himself that he came into the world to be the world's savior. In John chapter 12, verse 47, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Man, I love that. He did not come to judge us. He came to save us. I, I, when I was thinking about this, I, re, I just kept thinking about the altar. What a beautiful place the altars are here at Faith Assembly. But this is a no-judgment zone. When the Lord calls you to come to the altar, when a pastor or a preacher says, come to the altar, we don't want you to come to be judged. We want you to come to encounter Jesus. We want you to take a step closer to Jesus. It's imperative that you get closer to the Lord. Allow him to rescue you. Some of you tonight are going to, you're going to kind of think, I don't know, should I go down or not? Let me just help you. If you're sitting on the fence tonight and wondering if you should come or not, the fence is in the world. You're sitting on a fence that's part of the world. When you come to the Lord, you come into his kingdom. You step into his world. You step into a whole different place. So I want to encourage you, get off the fence and move towards the Lord. In 1 John 4.14, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world, the Rescuer of the world. As Jesus, as, as Savior, Jesus is the only one who can save us. As the Savior, as the Rescuer, Jesus is the only one that can save us. In John 14.6, it's not on the notes, but listen. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As Savior, Jesus is the only one who can save us. In Acts chapter 5, verse 31, we read, Him God has exalted to his right hand to be Prince and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Here's another verse, familiar story and passage, John chapter 4, starting at 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior 
of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Man. Let me pause. Let that sink in. We needed to be rescued, and there's only one person that could rescue us, and that's Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you, this is a reminder part, why we need a Savior. We're running around, we're busy, all the stuff we're doing, we need to pause this season and remember why we need a Savior, where he brought us from. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul reminds us how God's power has influenced our lives and how truly transformed we are in Jesus. In just the first three verses, Paul describes five reasons why God had to reach down to rescue us. Starting at verse 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others." Let me give you these five. We were dead spiritually and morally and unable to have a relationship with him. Found in verse 1 and 5. We were deceived and unable to understand our true condition. We willfully disobeyed what we knew to be right. We were defiled and unfit for God's holy presence, living instead according to our selfish lusts. We were doomed to eternal destruction as children of wrath. That's some heavy-duty stuff. Take a deep breath. We're going to flip the page now. Because the rest of this few verses, God steps in for us. And I want you to walk away with something tangible that you can cling to. We were lost, but God supplied a divine formula through his word for rescuing his people. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us, and raised us up together with him and made us sit together with him in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Boy, that's an encouraging word. Let me just zero in a bullet point, three, three, three things in here, three words. The first one is his rich mercy. Mercy means compassion, kindness, pity. In Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. 
He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens above, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. That mercy. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our sins, our transgressions from us. That's mercy. That's compassion. That's the character of God. He doesn't have to switch a, a turn a switch on to say, I want to be compassionate. No, he's always compassionate. He's always merciful. Look at this next part. His great love. He's always loving, heavenly Father. And when he talks about this in this verse, in verse 4, it's agape love. It's a love like God's. It means holy, unconditional, passionate, sacrificial. This is God's kind of love. This is a, a love that we are to embrace. This is a love that we are to receive. This is a love that we are to proclaim. But it's hard because we have flesh and blood. But Jesus came to show us that it's possible, even in the form of flesh and blood, to love people the way God loves us. Unconditionally, sacrificially. Take that word agape, that love, and look at John 3.16. Changes your view. For God so loved the world, unconditionally, sacrificially. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves the world, not just you or me. He loves everyone in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the scripture says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. This is agape. This is sacrificial this is passionate. This is unconditional love. Not that we loved, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then the third point out of the scripture is by his grace. Boy, <laughs> grace is favor, God's favor. It's unmerited. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything to get it. But I love looking at the description of this translation. When, God's, when Paul uses grace in this term, it means two things. He says grace is favor, but it's also a force. Grace is a verb, and it's also a noun. So God's grace but oh man, God's grace with the action that comes behind it. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, in the past, this is Paul talking to Timothy. In the past, I insulted Christ as a proud and violent man. I persecuted his people, but God gave me mercy because I did not know what I was doing. I did that before I became a believer, but our Lord 
gave me a full measure of his grace. And with that grace came the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So take this for us. When we come to the Lord, when we receive his love, if we don't push back, but we allow him to say, Lord, I want all, all the love you can give me. He gives you full measure of love, but he also gives you a full measure of his grace. Imagine walking around and saying, I have got God's grace upon me. I've got his favor wherever I go, wherever I work, wherever I am, wherever my feet step, God's grace is already there ahead of me. This is what it is for, to be a child of God. We walk in that grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. And this is not on the uh, notes, but let me just give you these scriptures. It's another way to look at it. In Colossians, Paul says this, chapter 1, verse 13. He has delivered us. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and conveyed us, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through the blood and forgiveness of sin. Whoa! He has rescued us. Remember, we can't rescue ourselves. He rescued us. Why? Because of his love, his grace for us, his mercy, his compassion. He wants to save us. For God so loved the whole world. He wants to save us. He wants to rescue us. That word conveyed is a remarkable word. It's a military term. It means the, to transfer a captured army or populace from one country to another. To transfer a captured army or populace, people, from one country to another. So this says that he came and he took us out of the darkness. He conveyed us. He took us. He, he took us out from under the capture of the, the enemy, the darkness, and he brought us into his light. He brought us into his kingdom. Understand this. You have been transferred from the power and the authority of darkness into the kingdom of Christ. If you are a believer in God, that is what you can claim. You no longer live in darkness. You're no longer a part of that world. You're now in the kingdom of God. Listen, this is good news. This is the good news of Christmas. We were dead to sin, but God made us alive in Christ. We were captive to the prince of the power of the air and enslaved to the spirit of this world. But God raised us with Christ and made us sit with him in heavenly places. We were deserving of an eternity in the torments of hell, but God instead, instead of pouring out wrath, promises endless kindness. And I love this one. We were children of wrath, but now we are children of God. Praise the Lord. This is good, good, good news. This is why Jesus came. Tonight I want to encourage you. Receive the rich mercy, the great love and the kindness of God in Christ Jesus. Receive it. The rescuer is throwing you a lifeline. Receive it. Take that line. 
Don't walk away and say, I'm waiting for another time, another chance. No, there is no other chance. There is no other time. It's this time. It's tonight. There is no other time. There is no other time. Receive the gift of salvation by grace through faith. Tonight you have the opportunity, if you've never known Jesus Christ, to receive his salvation, to receive him through faith. It's grace. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything. I'm going to share a scripture at the end that will remind you how to do this. And then when we invite you to come to the altars, we have a great prayer team. They're going to be here. There's going to be chaplains here, pastors here. There's going to be so many people here that are going to love you. They're going to greet you. There's no judgment down here. They're going to pray with you. And there's some people in here that have great, great faith. And I'm going to say this, even maybe higher and greater than some of the pastoral team, some of us, because they've been through dark places and the Lord has brought them through. And they know how to pray other people through those places. So this is the good news tonight. This is the good news. Jesus, the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for sinners so that God would have people who are free from the prince of this world and the spirit of the age and spiritually alive and holy. My friends, this is the true meaning of Christmas. We have a Savior who loves us unconditionally, passionately, sacrificially. And he loves us so much that he wants to rescue us. Let me get ready to close with this. And Pastor John, if the team want to come back. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, but God is love. God is love. God is love. God is love. Uh, uh, listen, this wrecked me when I read it because it says here, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God is not just loving. God is love. Agape love. Love is the new nature of every believer in here because it's God's nature. It's not an ordinary love such as the world has and unbelievers have. It is a love like God's. Holy, unconditional, passionate, sacrificial. A Christian's response to the love of God should be by loving others. We cannot love others in our own strength. We can only love others out of the reservoir of God's love.
Some of us here are empty. I've been there. You can't run on empty. And if you do run, it's not the right kind of running. It's not the right kind of love. It's the world's kind of love, and that'll lead you to the wrong places. The world's kind of love will not let you love your brother as yourself. The world's kind of love will have you look at someone and say, I don't know if I want to love them. Uh, they voted for the guy that I didn't vote for. Uh, hey, their, their skin color is a little different shade than mine. Oh, they drive a different car than I do. They live on this side of the tracks. I live on this side of the tracks. You know, the list goes on and on. But God said, for God so loved the world. If we are to do what God wants us to do, we need to love our neighbors as ourselves, and we need to love others as God loves them. So tonight, I'm going to give you a chance, an opportunity to receive God's love. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? It's going to be a quick altar time. We're going to invite you to come down. And I threw a lot of scripture out, and I know the word of God does not return void. The Bible says that when we preach the gospel, which is the good news, the Lord will affirm his word through signs and miracles. And we preach the gospel tonight, the good news. If you're in a place where you have not felt God's love in a long time, tonight's your night to walk back into and encounter Jesus, to get closer to him, and to allow him to fill your reservoir. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.